Yeah. Basically, my field is my first most primary field is oneness, connection, okay. unity, community, collaboration, everything connected in one. Okay. And that includes spiritual upliftment as well as practical activities in the world. And my understanding of relationships is the only way I can see or understand relationships working is when people come from the spirit of we are sharing and doing things that are good for all of us at the same time. So it's very much a spirit of oneness that is required for, for good relationships. Mm. Would you see it that way? I, it's, it's, I have never thought of it that way, uh, to be very honest, but I love that because mm. at the end of the day, I believe for a good relationship work, whether it's a romantic relationship or friendship or parent, whatever that relationship looks like, there has to be an element of wanting the best, both parties or all parties mm. wanting the best for each other. Mm. Um, I've never looked at it from a spiritual perspective, apart from when I look at it from my relationship with God. And then mm. it has become a spiritual connection and a, a spiritual in that way. But I love that concept of that oneness, because as long as we're stuck in this individual me, 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 it doesn't matter what relationship it is. It's just not going to work. It also doesn't work if it's you, you, you. Which exactly. uh, I've seen, seen a fair amount of that as well. Yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. If it's you, you, yeah. you, or me, 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 just it, it doesn't. It's this... It's the togetherness and the oneness of, mm. of all parties, if there are more than one or both parties, that actually creates this beautiful way of existing with other people. Um, and I when, I, when I was looking at your podcast topics as well and looking at the various guests that you'd had on there, it was really interesting how, I think there was one as well with, with science and bringing a spiritual aspect into science as well. Mm. Um, and I thought, wow, this is really interesting of how we can bring spirituality really into anything. Because traditionally, yes. you've got people going, you you can't mix science and spirituality. It's just like opposites and they argue against each other and religion and blend. And spirituality does not necessarily need to, well, I don't think it necessarily has has do with religion it can of course but it's not a must mm -hmm. the, the definition of religion and spirituality is interesting in that question but let's start with the the science um, it seems to me that the deep masters of science and the deep masters of spirituality totally agree that they're the same thing it's only the the ones who are dabbling on the surface and not really getting it who who think there's a difference. If you listen to the the people who are teaching about um, the cutting edge of physics, mm -hmm. they're deeply mystical people who go like, this is weird and interesting and we love the, the sense that this is pointing at something mysterious and beyond our comprehension. And it's like they really have a pull towards spirituality. Um, in fact, I, I saw a statistic that said more people enter physics because of its mysticism than enter studying to be a priest because of the mysticism. Ah, that's interesting. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's really interesting. I wouldn't have thought that, I have to say. Yeah, it's strange, yeah. But it's not on some level because, and, and then the other level is, the other side of it, the ones who are deep spiritual, really understanding spirituality and understanding how it works, do understand that this is a science. When you talk about Tantra, Tantra is often seen as in the West as being about sex, but originally Tantra means uh, liberation science, the science and technology of liberating the mind. Um, and the concept is that every action, every single thing we can we do, can become a spiritual practice if you design it in the in the right way. Um, okay. And Tibetan Buddhism is seen as tantric Buddhism because they tend to have a whole series of detailed practices about all of the different aspects of life, and 
I studied in Anandamaga yoga, which is also seen as tantric yoga and has nothing to do with sex. In fact, they're both rather against sex too much. Um, but it has a, a lot to do with um, life and doing it in a spiritual way and about science. They very much see themselves as scientific traditions. Well, that's really interesting. And as you're saying that, I'm catching my own bias of what my understanding when I when the word science is used, mm. where I automatically, when you're putting it this way, I, I see that, you know, when you talk about the physics side, you talk about the law of attraction, you talk about energy, and that mm. is in itself a science as well. Um, and that is very connected as well to spirituality. And, you know, that's like I have seen, like, you know, connecting to a higher being in yourself, whatever that higher mm. being looks like for you. Um, mm. and, and then the scientific aspect from the physics, but I'm catching my own bias, uh, now, like in my head and my, my own programming of when I think of science, I automatically go, and this is such an interesting, uh, mm. kind of insight I've just had right now, my upbringing in Kenya, where science was like, you know, you've got your biology, your physics, your chemistry, and then you've got but my bias now is coming from that upbringing where we were taught things like the science of evolution is not completely true where you call this whole homo sapiens and going you know from the apes and homo sapiens and how it goes against religion and mm. how so that's the upbringing as a child you know brought up in a very christian mm -hmm. country back then you know um and uh, so that's that's where, like, the child brought up in that environment programmed to believe religion is quite far removed from certain sciences and yeah, especially yeah, yeah. the science of evolution. You and, can't believe in both, you know? <laughs> yeah. And there's, yeah. <laughs> there's a certain, certain movement in both fields. There's a certain mov movement in, in religion that is very anti-science. There's a certain movement in science that's very atheist anti-spirituality as well but you know it's, it's there is a certain movement that's not and i think it's kind of it's kind of immature and kind of not seeing clearly to really distinguish the two so clearly um so a lot of what i do i consider to be spiritual science and that means what does that mean that means we're trying to understand how spirituality works it's like it's not just that i meditate now that's spirituality but the question is is this meditation working for me and does it work for you as well does it work for all people does it work in particular cases better than other cases are there other meditations that would work better in this case than in other cases what are the effects exactly of this and so science is the quest for knowledge that always comes with the basis of we don't fully understand. We are getting more information every time we observe. And we are guessing. We are making the best guess we can that fits that, that observa those observations. Um, and so all of the knowledge we have about physics and science and chemistry technically to scientists they are theories they're not knowledge they are, this is what we think is going on that fits the observations as best we possible can and we will learn better and we'll grow and if we take that same attitude to spirituality then we are doing science yeah and that's really interesting because i want to ask you this as well with that that having been said when you, I meditate as well, and I have like mm. a spiritual, I have a, I call it, it's a bit, sounds a bit geeky, but <laughs> I love it. It helps me. I like geeky. Um, I've got geek is good. <laughs> <laughs> I like I it. I used to hang out with a, I used to hang out in a, a role-playing game club. Um, and uh, they would be very much into um, occult magic spiritual practice but just because it's fun not because that's actually important you know they were totally geeky about it <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
you know, whatever brings you joy, right? Whatever, yeah. like, as you're saying, it doesn't work for you at the end of the day. And for me, I mm. call it my morning magic routine. And mm. so I wake up, I've got my prayer, uh, I meditate, I um, do my journaling, and then I listen to something inspirational. So whether it's one mm. of my favorite motivational speakers or whether it's a piece from a preacher or priest, mm. or priest but priest, pastor, or you know whatever mm. message that kind of uplifts me and gets my morning going and it makes me feel good and i'm wondering when you when it comes to um when it comes to like relationships no matter what the dynamic of that relationship is mm. do you do you think that there is a way spirituality in itself whatever you whether you're talking about um let's keep religion out of out of it for now but mm. spirituality uh, outside religion. Do you think there's a way that it can enhance and help relationships become stronger? And if so, like how? Let me tell you a story that happened to me recently. Mm. I I was going to the... I'm in Portugal. We have here traditional dance societies where they sing and dance the traditional dances. And they normally do them as performances which i think is unfortunate because i think traditional dance is better as a party than a performance but anyway we we do these things and i turned up to the practice and there is a woman a little bit older than me looking peaceful and and good holding her years very well and it was a sense of is an interesting person and we had a conversation turns out She's a craniosacral therapist and an osteopath. And and so this was interesting for me also as a I, I have some training in Bowen therapy, healing modalities. And so there's a lot of connections there. And I went to go and talk to her, having this uh, great conversation in my broken Portuguese. It's like an hour-long conversation in in. Um, I I cannot really understand a lot of what's going on, but I kind of piecing it together. Obviously, there's a great connection we're managing to have this conversation, yeah. and I started to feel sad. We were talking about nothing to do with sadness, and we we're talking about all of the positive things. But she had this presence of being able to hold the space really well, and so I felt very held in my own issues and emotions started to bubble up and she started to talk about that sadness that she could feel in me and and uh and she kind of picked up on it and and started to feel um, tears in her eyes as well as she was connecting with my sadness and anyway this was very convincing that she knew what she was doing so i ended up having a session with her or two sessions with her um and we'd been talking about why am I sad because of my relationship issues largely and and that my partner was kind of not wanting to connect with me because we've been, been going through so much stress lately and she was just not present with me and it was really sad. So this, uh, this healer, she says to me, let's see if we can resolve this sadness. And let's just see if maybe when your sadness is resolved, maybe she will turn back to you. And you know, it worked. She did this work on me that was about my sadness and my connection to peace. And I went through some period of crying without even knowing why and opened up a, a deeper sense of connection and, and sense of self, and much less resentment about the past, much more, you know, true spirit in the sense of being myself and being strong and being in in love, in connection. Um, and my partner, I felt her heart open and her attentiveness changed towards me in that weeks after that session. How's that? It works, yeah. I don't know exactly what you did, but it worked. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. So so I am convinced that 
being authentically connected makes an enormous difference and is perhaps the most important thing in that you can do in a relationship but um it's a big journey to do that isn't it it is and it requires a lot of i think self-work as well to, and uh, i don't necessarily want to use the word vulnerability but lack for a better word mm. it does mm. need to be that vulnerability to be able to open up and be willing to to express yourself authentically, because it's not always the easiest thing to do. Um, if I find for myself, like now I'm really good at doing that. The younger version of me was not very good yeah, it's at really hard. expressing myself authentically at all. It was very much like based on people's, our programming that we have and everything that we have to fit in a certain we have to look or behave or think a certain way. And I'm not saying this is true for everyone. Of course, everyone has their own journey and mm, their own experiences mm. of life. And But I think generally and collectively as a society, I think more people are becoming aware of the importance of showing up authentically. Um, but on the other flip side of that, I feel like we still live in a world that is very unauthentic. Yes, and I think we don't. We I think we've got to the point of understanding that it's important, and not yeah. as a society actually learned how to do it yet. Exactly. I think that's that's the the next phase as a society is: can we actually make this normality? Can we actually make it that people kind of know how to deal with this stuff? Exactly. Yeah, it's kind of difficult. Um, yeah. Hang on, I just have a. Computer running out of power. Yeah. Ah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Here we are. So my thought was, what was my thought? Something about this... Uh, Authenticity. Uh, that we've learnt our society, Western society, has learnt to be more gentle recently. But it's gone too far. And what do you mean by that? What do you mean it's gone too far? I mean today I was uh, holding my child, my six-month-old child, and my partner was asking me to not to not disturb him because he was eating. And I shouted. I shouted, I need to have an authentic relationship with this child. If I hold this child in a gentle way and don't disturb him, then I am not there. I have too much intensity to be able to do this softness. It's not me. It's me pretending to be something. I turned the baby down on my knees and uh, took the spoon and uh, aggressively fed it to, to him and then took it away and took it back again and took it away and teased him and, and uh, tapped him on the head with the spoon. And he loved it and so did I. <laughs> and that is really important I mean particularly for men I mean women maybe there is a little bit less of this aggressive energy but mm. uh, for men to this this intense aggressive energy and, and for some women of course as well it exists and it needs to be there if you're going to be real you're going to be authentic you have to be who you are and mm. and this is something that I've been learning recently and it's it's difficult to learn. And I think one of the reasons it's difficult to learn is it goes against the culture. The cultural understanding is about something about gentleness and how do we maintain the positivity, the connection, the love, but also bring something more strong that is more present, there's more yourself into that. Mm. Well, I'm learning it um, yeah. with some effort. It's not so easy. No. And especially, um, I think, sorry, go on, yeah? I was also going to say it depends a little bit on the person, that some people 
simple people are much more gentle. The style is different for different people. You have to learn your own style. You know? And that's one of the things that I'm really exploring. And I, I, I can um, identify with that, but on the flip side of, again, I think a lot of the way we behave and the way we are, we are, there's, there's a programming aspect, but also I think as we grow up, we learn to identify when we talk about authentic self, what part of this programming not actually suit my authentic self and kind of like being mm. rid of it a bit more. What part of it actually really sits well with my soul? And mm. I want to kind of look at more into that. And then just being truthful and authentic with yourself to go, this is where my spirit feels good. And I'm showing yeah. up as me. And yeah. I'm going to do so unapologetically. Even if it doesn't look the way my partner or my parent or my child has envisioned me looking yes. or behaving or acting. Um, I think it's a brave thing to do because it's, it's I use the word brave use that word for me I'll use that word for me because of years of mm. cultural religion um, upbringing expectations and so on and it was strong <laughs> like the pull was strong the programming was strong and having left that and um, being in Europe or in the Western culture, I'm originally Kenyan, um, and a lot of my upbringing is like back Christian, uh, African roots and programming, and then raised a lot in Western culture, still have a lot of that programming that I'm expected to adhere to, despite not having lived in Kenya for very yeah. long. Yeah. So there's this polarity in my head going, but, you know, you're teaching me to do this, but I've never really experienced it until I left as a child. And this feels more authentic to me, which is more Western, mm. but it's not always received very well, if you see what I'm saying, yeah, like yeah. certain circles. So just getting to that point where you're just like, whatever, you know, I'm going to show up as what feels authentic to me, whether it sits correctly or not with certain people. Mm. Uh, and it took a while to get there. And this is what I feel like created my authentic self. And, you know, going back to what you were saying, how you held your son, as what felt authentic to you. And I think I it's, think so it's really important, important that, that we learn to navigate through life. And, and the thing is that it's not just about me, it's about the other person as well. It's like, the reason this is a good story mm -hmm. is because he liked it. If I had done yeah. this and he started crying, it wouldn't be a good story. The the, the point <laughs> is that... <laughs> <laughs> the point is, so there's an authenticity in oneself and then there's a respect in the connection with the other. And there's also, there's always, all of the traditions recognize there's also the divine, the infinite, the, the positive. So... It's only yes. when we connect with all three directions that we get true, true connection and true relationship. Um, yeah. And I think this is essentially what people mean by enlightenment. When you learn to just be yourself in a way that fits with the world, and you're no longer in conflict with yourself or in conflict with the world or in conflict with others, you are just being true. Yeah. Um, I found no, I also connect, hmm. you know, talking about the other person, I found I also connect much better since I came into my authentic self, not just with my partner, but with my friends, with my children. Um, I think it's that mentally and psychologically as well, not constantly feeling like you're trying so hard, if you see what I mean. It's like there's a peace within you that comes when, like, you're just you. The good, yes. the ugly, the, the everything, the whole shebang of it, whatever that looks yes. like. <laughs> yes. I, mean, I, I mean, of course, not intentional, ugly or meanness, but, you know, no one's perfect and we hold our imperfection, we own it and we're okay with it. You know, yeah, we yeah. try to do better where we can and, you know, that's all personal growth stuff. But we're okay with not having to be somebody we're not and I think we show up so much better for the rest of the world. I show up better for Absolutely. my business. I show up better for my parenting as a partner, as a daughter, 
Um, even my friends have seen this as well. Uh, I was in a toxic relationship. I lost a lot of myself um, trying to fit in with what he wanted me to be, which was mm. not who I was. Um, and in that process, it, like it even caused me some mental health issues, but I've, you know, I've dealt with it past it. But, you know, the connection of, you know, the spirit that you have around you and the relationship, well, there's a couple of things there, but the, the, the people I think that you, you're in a relationship with, it's fundamental to your overall health, mentally, psychologically, physically as well, you know. Mm. And then there's the other aspect of once you are in that healthy, authentic space, as much as you're doing it for yourself, the knock-on effect is that it creates better connections, better relationships, you project better energy. I'm finding that um, it's not just for me, like the transformation has definitely not just been for me. I'm feeling it all around me and I'm letting go of people and things as well that do not serve me the way I feel I want to serve other people as well. So if I feel that I'm getting a lot of negative energy, a lot of um, just toxic stuff, or it doesn't even need to be toxic, but it's just like energy vampires. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like my spirit is being disturbed more than being at peace with certain people or situations. I'm learning to have the maturity to let go of it, grasp more of what is enlightening and what is beautiful, mm-hmm. and then project that out to other people in my life as well. You spoke about letting go of what is not serving your authenticity and finding the things that do serve your authenticity. And I think that's often a very difficult job to find what it is that serves your authenticity. And I've been, so I've been working on a kind of shortcut to that which is about finding your energy center, the chakra in your body where your power comes from, where your power, where your authenticity, where your best self comes from, which is different in different people and leads to a a kind of different style of expression. And I find that that really helps people to find their authentic approach. And that's, that's kind of become the center of my work. Talk a little bit about that because it's interesting you mentioned that. I think for the for like you know as we're recording this, like uh, people who are listening to this. So just this weekend when I was on a course, a workshop rather, and they um, had an experience and I won't go too much into it where I literally had knots in my stomach, mm. um, and it was a really strong reaction. Like. Um, it was long story short, it was about, I have a need to be in control of things. And when I don't have control, I, I got that feeling in my stomach of complete discomfort, not and for me, I knew that's where my chakra is like that. That's where it sits for me. And you talk about it, it sits in different places for different people. Tell me a little, tell me a little bit more about what you're so this is, this is interesting because you talked about the, the chakra where you're feeling stress. But do you know the chakra where you don't feel stress? There is a center where there is never any stress, where it is always positive. And this is one that is often not noticed because it speaks so quietly. It doesn't complain to you. It's just peaceful, you know. But this is the one which brings everything into alignment. This is the one that brings the whole life into connection. Um, and so we work on all of our chakras, but there is one of them that is that very soft secret that uh, just allows us to drop into being natural. Um, and so you spoke about your belly. But what about lower down in your belly, your lower abdomen around the hips, the sacral center? How does that feel? I've never noticed that my, that part of my body, interestingly enough. I've noticed mm. my chest, I've not noticed my shoulders, my neck, 
my stomach, my head, for sure. Um, when you talk about like negative, stressful emotions uh, or any other kind of negative, but never my head. Yeah. I've never, really I've never heard that, the positive one. That's really interesting, yeah. And so this would be my guess, my sense of you, is this would be where your peaceful center is. This would be where the center that brings everything into alignment would be. How did, it's, does uh, that help it's us a, incidentally, that? Well, mm-hmm. there's a whole series of um, practices and techniques that can be based on, on this. Um, okay. So it's not simply knowing it, but it does by itself provide a lot because if you can focus your mind on that point, it creates the positive feeling. And so even just knowing where that point is, you have uh, something to hold on to, to bring you back to the present. If you remember, oh, yeah, I just need to... Generally, if you notice that you're out of presence, that you're getting stressed, you'll find that your center, your focus of your attention in your body has has shifted out of that peaceful center to somewhere else. People often talk about being in the head, coming into their mm-hmm. thoughts and their stress in their head. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then it's like, oh, let me put that energy back where it belongs, back in that center where I am peaceful. And that creates mm-hmm. by itself quite a quite a powerful method for people finding themselves. But it goes a lot further than that because each one of the... Um, well-known spiritual traditions around the world, mm-hmm. Buddhism, yoga, Taoism, and Tai Chi, all of these different traditions are actually an expression of one of the centers. And mm-hmm. so we have a whole tradition that is built around how to live well in that center. And so there is a lot that you can kind of know where to look to find your answers. Mm-hmm. If you're living in the West, but naturally very centered in your in your feet, which there and which is and the grounding, which actually some people are not in the seven chakras, but actually in their feet, yeah, then you will find a lot of answers turning to China and Tai Chi, mm-hmm. um, and the Taoist practice, because that's an expression of that peaceful, grounding, relaxed approach to life. But there are people in China who are much more focused in a, in a higher centre. Yeah. And, um, and they might actually be much more inspired by learning something from the West because you're mm-hmm. finding something that suits that, that being, that being, your beingness. And so one reason for the people feeling out of place with their religious tradition or teachings is because they just belong in a different tradition. Mm. Of course, the other other reason is the quality of the teachings. Mm. I, I have to say about um, the biblical Christian believing tradition that um, I've come across some much more interesting interpretations of the Bible. And when you start looking at the deeper understandings of it, it completely transforms your perception of what Christianity is about, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Just as an aside, there's a a great um, event where there was one rabbi Mm -hmm. speaking, kind of debating with uh, one of the heads of atheism, you know, one of the people who was really pushing atheist thought. And the atheist opens up with, um, so you people believe in this God. And the rabbi says, hang on, hang on. Who said I believe in God? (laughs) 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 And explained how you can be Jewish without believing in God, which is very interesting because Judaism is full of the reading the Torah, which is all about God said this and God did this. It's like, how can you 
not believe in God, but the yeah. the the tradition actually has some very deep philosophical thought, which interprets this in in a in a much more interesting way. Yeah. So. Um, um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Um, it's like it's true. You don't have to believe in God to be Jewish. Technically, <laughs> 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 you don't. <laughs> You're born I, Jewish. So. And, but but also, like, let's take the Christian example. I have a friend in Australia who's a, a Christian priest. Yeah. Um, he he's part of the liberal Catholic, Catholic Church, which is a very esoteric kind of deep approach to Christianity. Mm. And he doesn't believe that Jesus ever existed. He's a priest. He <laughs> says, does that work? <laughs> he says Jesus never existed. He's just a story. How he does says, that work? How that works in his head, you know, I, I actually think that <laughs> oh, Jesus yeah, did I know. Exist. I mean, like, I said a rhetorical question. Like, how does that work? It's like you're a priest. Yeah, but but who are you say who's the savior in the story of Christianity as a priest? His point is, it's the story that's important, not whether it's true or not. The story itself has power, and we learn from that story, and we mm. use that in our lives. And it's not about whether it's true or not. It's about how meaningful and useful can that be in in transforming us? And so he sees it as a powerful story, and he thinks that somebody made the story up. And he still thinks it's an amazing story and that we should follow it. He just thinks that <laughs> it's not true. Um, but uh, uh, I actually, very, I'm not I actually interesting for thought. Yeah, <laughs> who would have thought? No, no, I'm yeah. I'm not. As Christian, I, I'm more like I grew up as a yogi and moved to Taoism and other things, and um, I've done a little bit of Christian practice, but not much. I actually think that Jesus did exist, and I have fairly good good reasons for believing so. But I think he's right that it doesn't matter that the practices of prayer and faith and the practice of listening and understanding those mythical stories that uh, that are in the stories of the Bible are profound and powerful, whether they're true or not. But if there are two, if you, are the, okay, here's, here's a question. If you do believe, if you don't believe they are true, you believe that the story is powerful. So technically, you were saying that the story is powerful enough because the story is based on God, um, uh, Jesus being God's son and being our savior, mm. if you take it you know, mm. from the Christian perspective. So is he saying as a priest that the story itself is so good, it doesn't matter whether it's true. But if, yes. it, if he doesn't believe it's true, then... What does that say about, and this is not necessarily a criticism, I'm just trying no. to like play with the devil's advocate. Hmm. What does it believe about, what does it say about him and the way he chooses to live his, his life out of the principles? So are you choosing to live this, your life and your life's work on a principle that you don't believe in? No, you believe in the principles. You don't believe in the historical fact. So um okay. let's take this this point that the story is about Jesus being God's son and and our savior and if we surrender to Jesus then then we will be transformed in some manner or other. Okay, who is this Jesus and how do we find this Jesus? We find him by looking in a history book? No, we find him by praying and by looking inside ourselves. And so whether we find him in the history book or not, the process of looking inside and finding that inner Jesus is the same. And so he would say that, that definitely there is such a thing as Christ in a consciousness okay. that we can connect to and that, that it's important for us to connect to. Him. But he doesn't necessarily know don't necessarily believe that the story in the Bible of Jesus in his physical manifestation was is historically accurate. And so that's a, an interesting distinction that 
some Christians these days make, which um, uh, is interesting. Very interesting, in fact. But okay. um, all right, that clarifies <laughs> it for me. That clarifies it for me. So it's not about he never existed. It's more about the way the Bible tells the story and whether it, those are historical. Those facts well, are historical, cor historically correct. That's my my opinion is my opinion is it's about this historical correctness. I think that there was a figure, Jesus, but this priest actually says there was never anyone. He he was invented by Paul. So this is uh, the the most extreme view that one can take in that direction. It's interesting. Yeah. It's just interesting to consider. I I don't actually. I think there's actually good evidence that Jesus exists, based on that. If you compare it with the transformations that have happened in other societies, when great religious traditions took over and transformed society. So when Buddhism took over the whole of the East, it didn't just take over because meditation is a good thing. It took over because Buddha was amazing and he inspired people and created this amazing wave. Christianity did the same thing in the West. I don't think it could have happened without somebody equally as amazing mm. to to be behind it. And so I believe that we had to have a, a Jesus figure in order for Christianity to be so powerful. But uh, the historical accuracy, I still have my doubts. But the, we all we agree that uh, the stories are powerful. The there are things that transform us inside, and that. Um, Christianity is essentially a mythical religion. It's a religion that is teaching through symbolism rather than through literal truth. And so the most important aspect of the story is not the literal truth. The most important aspect of the story is how does that, what does that feel inside me and how does that transform me? Like when you're um, listening to a dream, when you have a dream and you're trying to interpret your dream, you don't go, you know, I... I dreamed I was in the doctor and therefore I was in the doctor, doctor's surgery. You go, I dreamed I was in the doctor's surgery. What does it mean? What's going in my consciousness that there's a doctor's surgery there? Mm. I, I had a very strange dream that I'm referring to where I, the doctor said I had the scars of a wart inside my e earlobe here and that if I had surgery and cut them out, yeah. then all my life would be transformed. And what, what kind of weird dream is that? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I looked it up in the dream dictionary and it made total sense. But um, but only when interpreted through the dream dictionary. The earlobes, earlobes, are, about, earlobes are about wisdom, apparently. And, okay. uh, I need to check out um, this dream dictionary. I've never heard of that. I just look it up online. Dream dictionary. You get yeah. fantastic, fantastic stuff. Yeah. Um, and warts are about uh, guilt. So we're talking about my guilt, the issues of guilt getting in the way of my wisdom. Okay. It was true. It was accurate. Wow. And wow. so, and I so we, when like I just power but i've never known where to go to actually like yeah know what's going on or like so the dream dictionary is going to be a new source for me because I, <laughs> I get some weird dreams sometimes and especially the reoccurring ones and you're like again and you wake up you're like again again and you just like oh, i can't make sense what, of what, what is this it yeah dream is about and then you yeah you look into for it me and it's, it sometimes makes so much sense yeah and so the bible gonna look into one i've had one for years the Bible is the same. It's full of these images that have meanings that are far beyond their literal truth. They're like things about how our psychology works and how our consciousness grows. And and um, we we talk about in esoteric Christianity the birth of the Christ child, which is the the mother figure the feminine part of yourself that is always pure and virginal is always the Virgin Mary. It's a, your feminine self is giving birth to this divine spark, this divine 
being that grows inside you and elevates your consciousness and turns you into a Christ-like, fully grown figure. And so this story of Christ is not just a story of Jesus who lived back in history. It's a story of what happens inside us in our spiritual journey, whether or not he lived in, in history or which he may have. Yeah. So there's a whole series of little points that would be so good to explore some more. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Like, there's so much food for thought that I'm taking away with me at the moment. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this conversation would be as well. Um, but how does this apply to relationships in your work? So this is this is where I'm also, as we're speaking, I'm trying to find a connection. And I was asking you about how spirituality connects or how we can use spirituality to enhance our relationships. And I was like quite specific to take out the religious aspect from it because mm. um, that's a whole, I think that's a whole different story on its own right. But talking about spirituality, I think we, we've talked about on that and I'm trying to think of how else it relates to, and I really maybe want to focus specifically on romantic relationships because I know a lot of my listeners as well um more so, I'd say about eighty percent for the relationship aspects or the romantic mm. relationship aspect, more so than just you know um, dynamic relationships. Um, I'm just trying to think, like kind of brainstorm quickly, and I can't pinpoint, but I know that there's a lot we've said that I'd love to deeper into, like. I'd love to also have you as a guest where I can, because a lot of what you've said as well is, Alexander, is also very new to me. Like, mm. you, I feel like I, I went to school today, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I like, thank you for that as well. I feel like I, I went to school. So I feel like I want to sit with it as well. And um, I'll probably replay this this as well mm -hmm. to try and get more specific questions i have to say this is the first time this has actually happened i never and i have a principle about not putting questions together before a podcast and just letting it flow but i feel like the podcast that i want to have so much knowledge on something that is very new to me and i would love to dig deep and get your expertise and your knowledge on this on a deeper level and i feel i want to do that justice now yeah, well. for example as a guest and I also feel like I need to understand a little bit I need to replay this and then kind of think of questions that would be relevant for my listeners where you acknowledge and expertise because I find it's quite a wide range of expertise that you have yeah totally yeah. um because <laughs> because oneness you know oneness is my my field and oneness is like yeah. you know it's kind of everything once you start to see the connections between things and how everything, how connection is the key, mm -hmm. it's like it's all the same thing. So you, you, we're talking about religion and Christianity, and it's totally relationships. It's the same thing, um, but mm -hmm. you only see that when you can see that from the, the connection point of view. I think it would be really fun to do a series together, actually, if we could make some plans. Oh, that would be really awesome. Yeah. 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 And and perhaps we could explore spirituality and all of these crazy uh, directions that we like to go in um, and keep bringing it back to relationships because that would be an, an interesting, um, a useful point to 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 keep making it useful to people i think it's really interesting how life uh gives you certain things um i'll tell you this just a couple of weeks ago hmm. i was creating uh i literally bought the systems to create a membership site because i wanted to start a series of podcasts <laughs> that would put onto my membership that would be different <laughs> from the podcast that I have now and that would look that would be more like so this is very relationship relationship and this would be like more different uh, this is really freaking me out a little bit because 
there's also not too long, about a week ago, I sat in the bath and I got this download about bringing spirituality and science and spe specifically. The weird thing is, it was a download, I believe, from God. Mm. I found it strange that God was giving me a download to bring science into religion and into my work more. I didn't know what that would look like. Mm. And I do this membership and then I was like, I need to create a series of a podcast that, that goes into this membership and I'm still creating it and at different levels then you say you know what we should create a series together we press record uh, as I was saying I've never done this before I'm going out and like okay think about the questions usually it's a 10 minute conversation we get the gist and then press record to actually do the podcast so I'm feeling like yeah <laughs> destiny has a way of <laughs> <laughs> giving you little pieces and bits of the puzzle um i don't know how you you're feeling but yeah it's um it's no it's, it's very fun i enjoyed myself immensely enjoyed yeah. myself immensely i um didn't get to interview you very much i was uh, thought that i was supposed to be interviewing you but i kind of uh, was mostly answering your question so i feel like there's plenty more to more to explore and and there's a whole series of topics there where it's like we could explore them so much more. We could go into so much more depth into them in terms of... Um, Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay, there's uh -huh. a whole series on the Bible that needs to be done, and then there's another one on your energy center, and then there's... Um, and then we have to get back to relationships and principles in general. Yeah. I love that. Um, hold on. I'm just going to make a couple of books here. You're talking... Um... Mm -hmm. You mentioned the the, the Bible. Uh, it's also connection, uh, as relationships, relationships slash connections, or just connections in terms of well, connections or relationships. <laughs> connections are relationships, but which means that uh, <laughs> which means when we start to talk about connecting with nature and connecting with ourselves and connecting with the uh, challenges in our life, connecting with the capitalist system we have to live in, that's all relationships too. That's interesting. Yeah, I believe so. It is a relationship with yourself. It's a relationship with nature. It's a relationship. It's like, what is your relationship with nature? What is your relationship with yourself? Hmm. Um, and then the it's actually focusing on relationship with your other selves, it's a big part of what I do in my work as well. Mm. I believe it's very hard to have healthy relationship else if you don't have a healthy relationship with yourself and the parts of yourself, yeah, yeah. I had a idea of doing puppet shows based on the parts of parts of people and the parts of parts of groups as well the kind of different energies that are expressed in the groups started to prepare these puppet shows and theater shows and i was very interesting they ended up they all ended up as traditional fairy tales when i actually looked at the the energies that were being expressed in the different um parts of the self or parts of the group they ended up traditional stories like oh that's where the traditional stories came from oh. they were doing like traditional stories that's or a form of family constellation or something like that really interesting oh. 